Great job, Josh Thomas, musicians, Chris, great job. Start off with a question today. Not of you, Chris, I have nothing to ask of you. How many of you have ever made some plans and they change? Can I just see your hands? Wonderful. For you that are not raising your hands, are you just anti-raising hands? How many of you would like some money that I'm passing out later? Can I see your hands? There, that's, that's better participation. Uh, but really what I wanna know is not so much just have your plans ever changed, but have you ever had your plans dramatically changed? Can I see your hands? Like you meant this to happen and you got to the end of the day in a complete turnabout. I mean, what you thought was gonna happen, your expectation, and what actually happened, the actuality of the reality of the moment were vastly different. Today, I wanna to talk to you about that. There's something about Christmas time that I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm convinced of this more than any other time of the year. And maybe it's born out of that in the biblical text of the Christmas story. But I'm telling you, I see so many situations occurring at Christmas time in the middle of Christmas that, uh, well, they just don't turn out the way we thought they would. People that say this time of year, you know, I never, <laughs> never expected to be looking for a job in this season. People that all of a sudden look around and it's like, hey, I didn't think I'd be battling that health issue at my age. Or, I mean, our whole nation is there. This whole COVID thing. I mean, we thought we were out of that. And then here comes a variant. Here comes another variant. And now we're asking the questions, how many boosters can a person have in a lifetime? And today what I want us to do is I want to take you to a small gap, a small space in those moments in your life where your expectations and reality do not align. In those moments where those two things, you end up with something completely different than what you expected. The outcome is just not what you thought. And let me tell you, it, it's in that gap, in that little space in our lives that it often rattles us. It often causes doubt and we many times become discouraged because it's in that space in our lives that we so often ask the question, God, where are you? We can't sense you. We don't feel you. We really, are you there? And the Christmas story is filled with those kind of moments, that gap, that space. I mean, when you look at it, of all the people had all these human plans, things they thought were going to go a particular direction, and they went completely another, I mean, that was, didn't see that coming kind of moment, and it created these gaps in their lives as well. I mean, it happens all over the Christmas story. You can even go back several months before Jesus was born and look at, look at Zachariah and Elizabeth, and it was like, hey, we didn't see them, I mean, we didn't see that coming. That was not a space that they thought they would be in. You can fast forward after the birth of Christ and you get to this moment where the shepherds, was the King James say? The shepherds are just what? They're just out tending their flocks. 
It's like they had one expectation of the evening and something totally different actually happened. The, the, the realistic happening did not match what their expectations were. And I'm telling you, man, that's an important thing for you and I to spend a little bit of time on the front end of this Christmas season talking about today. Looking at the scripture to see if there's something that can be done. Because whether you like it or not, we're either in that gap right now, we've just come out of it, or about to go into it. And there just won't be one of those gaps. There'll be many times that that occurs in our lives. Over and over and over again. And I just wonder if that's what Mary and Joseph felt like. I mean, is their betrothed, engaged, if you will, planning to be married? I mean, surely they had one track and one thought, and all of a sudden they found themselves in a completely different space. Expectations did not align with the reality, and it created this gap and space in their lives. And I just wonder if that's how they felt. You know, at times I think we read in our Bibles the Christmas story so often that we kind of conjure up the feeling that, well, Mary and Joseph are just like fictional characters, Harry Potter kind of stuff. And I remind you that historically, these, this is a man and a woman that lived in first century. These are real people. And I think today as we lay down God's word and look at this space that God has something to say for us. I want you to open your Bibles and you camp out there for just a moment in Matthew chapter number one. If you didn't bring a Bible today and the person next to you is semi-attractive, just ask to look on with them. And uh, if that doesn't work out for you, maybe you can beg off on the folks at the back to at least project it on the screen for you so you can read in big screen if you can't see, all right? And if that doesn't fail and, and you can't see it all physically today, we're just thankful that you're here and blind in our service, then I'm gonna read it to you audibly. Praise God for the word of God, amen? I mean, we're going to get it one way or the other. If you just get out of that Pac-Man in the phone, things are going to work out very well today. Matthew chapter 1. You know, really, when you look at Mary, maybe the best snapshot of what she was kind of experiencing didn't just really start. I mean, really, we get more of Joseph's feelings in Matthew, and we really get more of Mary's feelings in Luke. The angel comes to her. You remember there's a couple words that surface depending on what translation. The angel says, catch, you know, catch your breath kind of thing here, Mary. I know you're betrothed and it's a big thing, but I've got a little special news for you. You're with child. Wow. Didn't see that coming. And depending on the translation, it says she was greatly disturbed. Some of the paraphrases use the word confused. But things really got interesting when you get over there to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read that in just a moment in verse 19. It really gets interesting when she begins to try to explain that to Joseph and get his reaction. I mean, he has no idea what's coming. In fact, let's read it together in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Can you just imagine? I mean, here they are in this pre-marriage state. As you know, some of you are aware, some of you aren't. 
the betrothal, if you will, went somewhere between nine months and a year. Uh, you were as good as married, except there was physical separation. There had to be housing plans. There had to be all kinds of things before the marriage was consummated. It would be like our engagement, but more binding. And so they're in that. And even as the NIV translates it here, they were married. Uh, understand, they're still in the process of all that. All of that is in what we call gestation. It's, it's in the works. It's, it's being formulated. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a work in progress, getting us closer and closer to the full, full-thrown marriage, if you will. But, you know, those conversations must have been vastly different. Not, not so much about children, oh, maybe children in the future, but right now, I mean, surely their conversations were more about things like, hey, where are we going to live? That's not very much space. What's your work schedule going to be like? I mean, think about it. Any young couple excited about being united in marriage, I mean, think about the, the nature of those kinds of discussions. And all of a sudden, they're hit with, probably thoughts of Joseph on his side, betrayal, cheater, who's my wife's, uh, my, my future wife, so to speak, who she slept with. And so verse 19 is pretty much what we expected from the unexpected. Didn't see it coming, but the reaction, look at it again in verse 19. The law said, hey, separate bad news, she could be stoned to death and killed out of this adulterous concept because betrothal, engagement, if you will, was binding. She could not be with another man. Yeah, he didn't want to do that to her. He, he cared about her. He loved her. He didn't want to expose her under the law and, and, and her life and her to be stoned. And so he just wanted to quietly, just quietly get away from her and divorce and maybe she could have her own start. He, he really couldn't be responsible for what was going to happen to this child. Certainly wasn't, wasn't his, but he, I mean, I mean, he was wrestling with a lot of things. And I just suggest to you, here's two young people that there they are in that gap. I told you it was important. Expectations and reality. That space in between. Crazy place. Hard to understand that space. Our thinking changes, panic, searching for God, trying to ask the question, why? How did this happen? All kinds of questions began to come up. But, you know, the interesting thing here is maybe it's this time of the season that it catches us off guard because we always seem to think that the story always works out. I shared with the first service worshipers this morning the fact that my wife and I well, just being transparent with you, we're dealing with an addiction in our home. And it's not my addiction. It's Becky's addiction. And so as we talked about it, maybe this is a good time just to expose that, let you know about it. I want you to know on the front end, I love my wife. I care about her very much. But this is not something she's been wrestling with on a short-term basis, but a much longer-term basis. Just now, the first Sunday in December that we feel comfortable sharing this with even our church family, those of the folks that we're the closest to and love the most. And it's not an addiction that she's struggling with. It's a simple thing, acceptable thing, like chocolate or, or, or uh, uh, caffeine or something like that. 
it's, it's something that's much more aggressive. It's something that is uh, really just devouring a number of elements in our, in, in our marriage, primarily time, and that is what I call the addiction of Hallmark. <laughs> when my wife found out in October that the Christmas Hallmark movies were coming on the last week in October and that there were going to be 18 new releases. I just began saying, hey, we have a real problem here. This thing is an addiction. And uh, I just stop for a moment because it doesn't matter where I walk into the room and I see this Hallmark movie on beginning, middle, or end, every movie has the same storyline. Have you noticed that? I mean, the first hour and 26 minutes, we're getting to know the characters and learning all about the background and bad relationships. And we see these flickers and flames of a new possible relationship. But at, at 127 on the two, it's exactly two hours, right? Exactly. At 127, we begin to see the flame. It looks like this is moving forward. And then all of a sudden, exactly 41 minutes before the end of the movie, some type of imposter or villain or situation enters the room. It could be in a farm setting. It could be in a townhouse in New York. It could be around a Christmas tree. It could be at around town square. But a villain appears and all of a sudden our hearts sink with about 20 minutes left in the movie that this is not going to work out. And then with 18 minutes left, good news. Our hearts are rejuvenated to know that, hey, there's hope. One or the other, man or woman, leave, and there's about to be a reuniting at 11 minutes before the movie ends. The excitement grows. At six minutes before the movie ends, there's a kiss. At four minutes before the movie ends, it begins to snow. They both look up like they've never seen snow before, and then the movie ends, and the next one starts with no commercials. <laughs> am, I, am I telling the truth? And so you ought to be thanking me because I just saved you 80 hours from October and December next Christmas season, all right? No need to watch any of those movies. They all are going to have the same format. But I would say those and other cultural things suggest to us that everything in life seems to come back and have a hallmark ending. And nothing can be further from the truth. Magnified at Christmas time or when parents have put their whole lives into sacrificing for their children, young, middle-aged, or adults, only to see that child that they've loved so much and often this time of the year manifest to see them making terrible choices. And all of a sudden, the parents looking around at Christmas time going, Hey, that's not what we expected. That's not what we had hoped for, the actuality. And there they are in that place. Financially, we find ourselves in that place. Been saving, been saving, been saving, trying to get in a good place. All of a sudden, one thing breaks down. One thing goes wrong. And it was like a disaster. Didn't see that coming. And we're right back now where we had started from when we started the saving process. And it seems like it's a cycle and it's never ending. And that's not what we expected. And we find ourselves in that gap. 
And my question to you is, is there anything in the Bible, is there anything in the lives of Mary or Joseph or any of these from the Christmas story that can help us? Is, are, are there any tools here for us? And so I just want you to jot down two very important tools that I want you to think about and pray about the question, answering it, what do you do in this place, in this gap, in this space, in this position, when we all find ourselves there, when the expectation of the future collides with the reality of the present? And the first thing I want you to jot down somewhere, margin of the Bible, your note sheet, wherever it may be, is it's essential that you and I tune in to God's direction. The first thing that we've got to do in this space is we've got to be able to tune in to God's direction. Now, we read verse 19, Matthew 1. Let's keep reading. Look at what it says in verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now, one of the challenges that you and I have when we interpret any part of the Bible is what we call chronos or time. Many times when we're told certain things happen, what we're not told is how quickly did they happen? Did this happen immediately, slowly? Did this happen over a segmented period of time? In fact, one of the biggest arguments about the Bible is, was it a new earth, an old earth? I mean, all these kind of things and battles over time and dinosaurs and time is a major point of contention when it comes to Scripture. And when it comes to those elements in our lives, like this gap or space between the expected and the realistic of what's happening in, in that space, we, we also are challenged with that. And that's no exception here about Joseph. But I want you to hone in for just a moment in verse 20 at a very important phrase. Look at those first seven, eight words. The Bible says, but after he had considered this... Well, what does that mean? Does that mean he took five minutes to decide? Does that mean, it mean he took several days and pondered it? He can hey, this is a big deal. The lady you're about to be married to officially and formally is with child and it's not yours. And I just stopped for a moment and and began to ponder how much, to think about, how much consideration would something like this take? Did Joseph go to where most people would go, his parents, and say, hey, mom, don't tell dad this, but there's something going on with, with Mary and I, and I don't know who else to come to, but mom, I, I need some help here. Did he go out in the barn and talk to his dad and say, Dad, I, I just came to you. You and I are tight. We've always been tight. We've always been able to talk about things. Let's, let's not drag mom into this. Did he sit down at the table and say, Mom, Dad, I need to talk to you? Or did he not talk to them at all? Maybe he confronted one of the parents and, and, and who knows what their response could have been. Maybe, I mean, maybe it could have been something like this. Oh, hey, hon, did, did, did you say that she said God put the baby there? That's kind of odd, isn't it? 
Maybe he didn't go to his parents. Maybe this consideration that in the Greek language suggests a span of time, he considered some time had passed. Maybe he asked his friends. Maybe he asked the guy that was going to be his best man at his wedding. Hey, man, just you and I. We grew up together, played sports together. I'm just tossing this out. I'm going to be a father and it's not mine. What? Yeah. Man, what do you think I ought to do? Dude, I'll tell you what I would do. I would dump her and let's go back and be single like we were, man. Maybe this is more of a reflection, verse 20, of Joseph considering it on his own. Maybe he's asking his own emotion, his own self. Maybe he's processing this internally to, 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 to trust his feelings. But what's so amazing about this is Joseph's decision from this was to listen to the angel of the Lord. And there's value there for us. Ding, 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 ding. In that space that is so magnified at Christmas, you and I can learn something here. One of the great benefits of being a believer is we have access to our God. We hear from him. He talks to us through the Holy Spirit, through his word, through our prayer, not necessarily in the audible voice, but he gives us eternal insurance. Internally, we begin to hear this assurance of his voice. Now, the circumstances don't change that we're in. I mean, the situation we change, but through it, through hearing him and being dialed into him and him alone, we're able to have stability and comfort and assurance. I mean, there's all places that you and I can go in these moments, aren't there? We can go to our family. We can go to public culture. Oh my goodness, we can go to social media. Put it out there on Facebook tonight. Well, look at this terrible plight I'm in. What should I do? And man, everybody on Facebook will give you their opinion. But what we need to be doing in those moments in our lives is to dial in and tune in in God's direction. And can I just warn you one more time? And I've done this as your pastor time and time again. Don't trust your feelings. Do not trust your emotions, especially afternoon and night emotions. Never make big decisions late at night when you're exhausted and tired and frustrated. Can you imagine what would have happened in the span of history if Joseph at this point would have just followed his heart? Verse 19 tells us his heart. When he heard it, he had that immediate reaction. Hey, I don't want her stoned, but she's not going to be my wife. I'm not going to be her husband. And I'm going to put her away gracefully and quietly. And I'm going to find me another woman. I'm going to find me one that'll be loyal and faithful and tried and true. And I'm never going to allow this to happen again. Can you imagine 
if he had listened to his own voice and the voices around him, history would have been completely different. Wow. So we take away, first of all, something very valuable. We take away the great truth that when you and I are in that space, that gap, that place, didn't see that coming kind of moments between expectation and reality. We've got to tune in to God's direction. Now the last thing, quickly, not just tune in, but we need to trust. We need to trust, jot this down, that God has a purpose. When you and I are in this space, we've got to come to the place where we trust God. Now, I love some of the crisp, man, wasn't the music amazing? Hey, they're going to sing a couple more songs in just a moment when we finish our message. In fact, it'll be in 14 minutes and 13 seconds they'll be, they'll be singing. But hey, because uh, that's all the time they're giving me here on the screen, I see. The uh, lyrics of Silent Night, I asked him to project that. How many of you like Silent Night? Anybody here like Silent Night? I love Silent Night, except for one line, which I would suggest is bullcorn. I've highlighted it for you. Was that night, just asking, that sacred night, that special night that the Lord Jesus came into physical existence and planet Earth, God, man, man, God, the incarnate God. I mean, think about this. Was that moment really calm? And boy, we're going to sing that with a violin on Christmas Eve. All is calm. Yes. Was all calm? I, w- I would suggest it wasn't calm, it was chaos. It was confusing. I mean, let's just think for a moment, put our thinking caps on. Mary, nine months pregnant, riding a donkey all day long. Ladies, do I need to say any more? Now, that's a horrible thing. Nine months pregnant. This is the way the donkey rides, the donkey rides all day long. When the Thomas kids come over to see me, Britain will be first. Let's do that deal, that song, Pastor Mike. This is the way the farmer rides, and I'll bump him around on my leg, and then this is the way that lady rides, that lady rides, the lady rides, and all that. I mean, and then here comes Maggie. I want to do it. And then here comes Will. He's always third and last. I want to do it. He just wants one ride, and he gets off. But can you imagine? Does that sound like all is calm and all is bright? And then on top of that, Her husband, they get to the end, and he has made no reservation. Not good. And then on top of that, they end up in a manger. And I know that's hard to translate in our community because we think of this cool barn dominium kind of of thing. I'm talking about a lean-to here. I'm talking about a two or three side, either in, in the side of a cave, a cliff, some type of dwelling like that, or something has just a couple of sides on it. I mean, can you imagine this? All the way through pregnancy, I mean, Mary is meeting with her nurse, her OBGYN, and they're talking about this birth and development plan. They've got her on the vitamins. 
ha, ha. Anyway, and they're going through that. And Mary says at month six, oh, you know what would really be cool? Let's, let's put some goats in there when my baby's born. Let's add some, a donkey or a cow. You know what I really want? I want some alfalfa hay kind of zooming around in the air. There's something about alfalfa hay that gives me this, man, it just gives me a rush. And I'm going to need that when this baby comes. I mean, you think that's how it went? No, all was not calm. And all was not bright. But if we, even in the midst of these moments, could come to the place in our lives where we say, God, I didn't see that coming. And I don't understand it. I don't understand cancer. I, I don't understand why my son did that. I, I don't understand. I, I thought I had the best laid plans in terms of my finances. I thought the relationship was safe and solid. Never thought we would be here. Uh, of, of all the things to happen, I, th- th- there was no way for me to predict it. It just, it, I mean, that, I had one expectation. This happened. And in the middle of that, if you and I could somehow spiritually come to the place where we were able to, even in those moments, say, God, don't understand what happened, but I know you have a plan. And I trust you. One of my favorite verses in all the Bibles, Proverbs 19, verse 21. And it's a, it's a proverb that has two distinct parts. I want you to listen to it. It says, many are the plans of a person's heart. Every one of us can embrace that because we all have, we, all of us have plans. We all have expectations. Low or high, we have some. We have some dreams or some things that we're hoping for or some direction that we feel like, hey, maybe God will take us here. This is where we're striving to be. But the second part of that's interesting. It comes back at the end of Proverbs 19, 21 and says, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I just want you to jot this important concept down somewhere in your Bible, on on your bulletin, somewhere. I'm going to have them project it for us. You do not have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. You and I don't have to understand the plan to really be able to embrace and trust that God has a purpose with everything when it comes to his children. There's not anything that just arbitrarily happens out there like God says, wow, didn't see that one coming. We know that cannot happen and does not happen. And knowing that God has a specific purpose for everything, I think it's important that we understand that even though we may not know the plan of action, the timing or how it all plays out. In other words, let me just say it in simple terms. We may not understand the why but we should be willing to accept the what. Very few things move me like the story that you and I are going to watch in just a moment of Chris and Carissa Carroll. And it was just kind of a fluky, that's the East Texas word, a fluky thing that I came and kind of crossed their story. 
about, I don't know, five, six weeks ago, somebody came into my office and said, Pastor, we would love for you to kind of learn a little bit about Jack's Baskets. It's a nonprofit organization. And I said, and people hit me up about stuff all the time. Hey, will the church support this or that? And we try to support everything we can, especially if it's a common worthwhile mission like our church has. Uh, and it's something that, you know, something that we should be supporting. Many times we try to support all kinds of things. And so anyway, the lady was very kind and she just left the information. And to be honest with you, I just kind of ignored it for a few weeks. Finally, uh, one of the ladies says, man, you need to clean up this junk right here. And I said, you're right, I do. So anyway, I, I kind of picked it up and was rekindled and reconnected with that brochure and had a website there and I went to it uh, under Jack's Baskets and began to kind of read and had a video there. And uh, it was the video that really just, and I just, well, you'll see in just a moment. I want you to listen to an incredible story of someone that has lived what we just talked about. When life goes a different direction than what we expected and hoped for, it is our ability of what to do in that space between reality and what we had hoped for right where we're living in the heartbreak and the shock and the surprise. It's what we do next that really matters. Let's watch his story together. I look back on, on marriage of just us two. I don't know, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. And so, you know, in the first couple of years, being able to travel, live in a house and have jobs, the first handful of years where, all right, let's just, let's just figure this out right here um, and, and solidify this and then have a family and just dig our heels in with that. When we met Jack, our lives simply just changed. Well, we have three kids. Um, we've been married for almost 14 years, and our oldest is Luke, and he is nine. Our second is Jack, and he is seven. And our youngest is Taylor, and she is five. The pregnancy with Jack was really typical to our older son, Luke. Things were going as planned, and um, I went into labor. It was going much faster than it was the first time around and his heart rate started to drop while they were monitoring me. Things got really tense in the room and the doctor that was on that evening said we have to do an emergency C-section. I can remember them pushing me into the operating room. I asked for them to go get Chris and they said, I'm so sorry, he cannot be in here. Five minutes went by, and 10 minutes went by, and 15, and 20, and 40. I'm sitting in this hospital room all by myself thinking, oh, what's going on? Like, kind of waiting for somebody to come back. They did come back, but they came back with Jack. So the same nurse that had told me that she would come back actually handed me the baby. And then she was followed by the nurse practitioner um, at the time, and she was the one that Kind of followed up as I was holding Jack and, and asked me, are you familiar with trisomy 21? And then she followed up uh, with Down syndrome. 
when they brought me back to that original delivery room where Chris and Jack were waiting, I was really grieving just the birth, how it happened. And um, certainly was not prepared for him when he brought over Jack to me and said, this is our baby, and they, they think he has Down syndrome. And I cried out and was filled with so many different feelings and obviously shock and really fear of how it would change us. So when Jack was born, you know, we didn't even name him. I remember just being so numb. I didn't believe in the hospitals. And I remember, I was like, I just, I'm gonna go for a run. And I remember leaving our house and just getting to the end of the street I kind of started to get choked up, just emotionally choked up, like I was going to start crying. I, I couldn't get a breath, and I remember just saying, okay, Lord, just, just let, me, let me do this. And, and I was able to collect myself, and I remember, I remember running, and, and I ran this route, and I remember exactly where I was on this route. I remember it the rest of my life, where I got this overwhelming feeling that I get to raise Jack. Like, he was fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, I get to raise him. When we met Jack, I realized how much my own plans were limiting what God can do because I was so stuck on what I wanted. And when we finally just surrendered, like this is God's plans for us, we were able to truly live in what he had planned for our family. Minnesota family wants hospitals to make a change after what happened when their son was born. That's where I just said, Every child should be celebrated, and every family should be congratulated. The Carols weren't expecting what doctors told them more than a year ago, but a special basket is changing the conversation about a diagnosis surrounded by stigma. Tonight, WCCO's Liz Collins shares how Jack's Basket is filling families with hope. So Jack's Basket is a nonprofit that celebrates babies with Down syndrome, and then we empower and equip medical providers when they give that diagnosis to new parents, either prenatally or at birth. And we've grown to celebrate over 3,000 babies in 50 states and 27 countries. Ultimately, I have a heart um, that every baby uniquely created with Down syndrome would be welcomed and celebrated and that the family would feel encouraged and connected to the loving and supportive community. A little boy they never imagined. One they now can't imagine living without. I want each family to start their beautiful journey with a Jack's Basket, knowing that their child will change their life for the better. Although this wasn't what we expected for our lives, I'm so glad that my plans were wrong. And I'm so thankful that God has a plan for each of our lives if we choose to trust and surrender those plans to Him. The impact of each of our lives is something that we may never know, but how we choose to respond is a reflection of us trusting and surrendering. When we met Jack, our lives changed. It was a beautiful change. I was just so moved when I heard Chris share the incredible statement that it was a privilege to be Jack's father. 
And you know, I, I just know, gosh, I'm going on my 31st years being a pastor. And so many people are, are, are in that space that I wanted to share with you about today, that place of tragedy, that place of hardship, that place of the unexpected. As I look around this service, now, I'm just going to keep looking at both back corners so no one will think I'm looking at them. There's some people here that are taking care of aged parents. And it's a heartbreak day after day, parents not knowing you and watching their physical uh, decline and just battling that aging with them and just the, the hurt and pain that goes with that. And I just wonder today if you're willing to come along with me and say, hey, um, I'm going to embrace the plan. I just wonder if there's somebody here today that is battling with some situation in your life going into these holidays. And I'm just wondering if, if, if you'll rise up spiritually and say, God, this is so difficult and it's not what we had hoped for and it's not what we expected. And the reality of, hey, that's not going to happen has now settled in. And what do we do with the residual aftermath of that? And I would just want you to consider today for maybe the first time for some of you spiritually. Tune in. Tune in to the only voice that matters. Not what people around you say and think, not what popular culture says, but tune in to what God has to say about that. It's his direction. Great afternoon reading today is James 1, 18 through 22, that tells us how we can hear from God. And it tells us there are certain things, if we allow them in our lives, that will keep us from hearing from God. And then I just want to encourage you to really trust. Trust God's incredible plan. If Mary and Joseph today could only see, the song says it so well that we hear almost every Christmas, Mary, did you know? No, she didn't know. How could she have ever known that the hardship that they would endure, the process they went through, ensured, and they were the vehicles to ensure the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrificial lamb for all of eternity. Embrace God's plan. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, you have a plan for every single worshiper in this place today. I wonder if some have not really seen fully what you have for them because they're not a child of yours. They've never trusted you and They've never had that life-changing experience through the Lord Jesus Christ that makes the difference. And so, Father, if there be someone here today that's never trusted you as their Lord and Savior of their life, I pray that on this day, they might embrace that plan, that they can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, to be a child of God. Father, I wonder if there's a student that's here today that's just struggling with some things. Maybe they come to this place and they're discouraged. I wonder in, in all of these young families that we have represented here today, most of them 10 years of marriage or under. If 
Father, I, I just pray that, uh, that if they're here today, that there may be a struggle going on inside that marriage. Father, I just pray that they would embrace God's plan and the beauty of, of what he has designed for their marriage. And let the Holy Spirit encourage them to let them know there, there's tools available. There's support available for the struggles and the challenges. And Father, for all those many bumps and bruises in life, and man, we get knocked down a lot. Just as Carissa and Chris, so excited about their second and middle child, everything, as we heard Carissa share, just right on schedule, everything looked wonderful. And then all of a sudden, wow, the planned became the unexpected. The plans of mankind were altered by the very plan of God. And so, Father, now thousands of other families are being loved and nurtured out of the pain that they've experienced. And, Father, we just were able to witness that pain that has turned to joy as they have learned to embrace the plan. And so, Father, we come today to trust you and to trust the plan that you have for us. Father, we love you. We worship you. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.